It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt, your host. Marquardt Law Firm is sponsoring our show today. Attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, tax-protected inheritance plans, new businesses, and old businesses which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, FLPs, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, including guardianships, probate, and our new attorneys can handle your personal injury if you have one. Our staff includes attorneys Daniel Palmer and Alex Vollmer and me. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses. The State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law, but because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us our sins, our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing and failing to do your will. Please help attorney Alex Vollmer and me give good information to the listeners today about eminent domain. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So today... Uh, we're recording, and so we're not having any callers call in. But if you have a question, you can email me at host at talklawradio.com. That's H-O-S as in Sam, T as in Timothy, at talklawradio.com, and I'll reply to your questions. Today, attorney Alex Vollmer and I are going to talk about eminent domain and uh, what all that entails. Alex, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good. You've been on our show before, but I'd like to just recap, just in case we have somebody listening who wasn't listening before. We won't go into as much detail about where you went to kindergarten, but just generally speaking, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm a uh, former assistant district attorney, former uh, 
defense attorney. And uh, the last time I was here, we spoke about uh, NFA gun trusts and uh, the specific issues about different methods of uh, obtaining these specific types of firearms and the advantages of a trust uh, in terms of protecting yourself legally and protecting your legacy and things like that. That was a great show. Thank you for coming back. I enjoyed it. You're from San Antonio, right? Yes, sir. Um, what are some of the things around the community that you like to do? Well, I uh, enjoy using as many of our municipal golf courses as I can. <laughs> I think they're really underrated. Um, uh, my wife especially has been enjoying Willow Springs a lot. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since I played some of those courses. I haven't uh, in a long time. I've, I've been trying to get back to it. Um, but now it's starting to feel like deer season, so I'm excited about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so what's the first thing you think of when you think of eminent domain? Okay. I think of the U.S. Constitution. Now, I had to read it again because um, the the eminent domain law is tucked back in the Fifth Amendment. And the Fifth Amendment covers a lot of stuff, and a lot of things that you wouldn't think would be um, combined with um, the eminent domain laws. And so I'll, I'll just recap um, for the listeners. The Fifth Amendment to the United States Constitution says, No person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia, when in actual service, in time of war, or public danger, nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Here it is. Finally, we're getting to the good stuff about eminent domain. Nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. What do you think about that? I think that it's a very broad, broad provision of the Fifth Amendment that is incredibly powerful. And you're probably used to seeing the Fifth Amendment because that's what all the rest of us uh, know from watching TV and movies is um, somebody's on the witness stand and they always claim, I plead the Fifth. Yeah. Um, fifth is pretty much about due process. Yeah. So if you're um, charged or alleged or indicted, uh, the government can't force you to testify. Um, but today we're going to focus on that. Uh, the government can't take your private property for public use without just compensation. And we'll have to define each one of those words and phrases in order to really understand what it means. So I looked up some very old cases. Alex, is it okay if I recap for the of listeners uh, you've got enough to say so i wanted to uh, at least introduce the topic so there there's some supreme court cases about what the fifth amendment is 
And one of the oldest cases from 1875, Cole versus United States, uh, was a case where um, the city of Ohio wanted to use uh, a custom house and post office building. And so that's why they were um, trying to use eminent domain. There was another case um, in United States versus Gettysburg Electrical Railroad Company where Congress wanted to acquire land to preserve the site of the Gettysburg Battlefield in Pennsylvania. In 1879, there was a case that said that uh, the government had the right to eminent domain because it is an attribute of sovereignty. So just because it's the, the U.S. government's a sovereign entity, it has this power, uh, whether we like it or not. But thank goodness uh, our framers of the Constitution got together and put together the, the Fifth Amendment to sort of limit that authority. We know that it can be done, but at least the government can pay just compensation for it. And there's a lot of people that maybe complain about whether it's just and whether it's fair market value, but at least it's there. So aside from the Fifth Amendment, um, there was a question whether the Fifth Amendment would be applied to the states. And so that's where the 14th Amendment comes into play. Is that is that right? Yeah, if I'm correct, it's uh, Chicago, Burlington, and Quincy Railroad versus City of Chicago. Okay, that's what applied the, the 14th Amendment, or that's the case that interpreted it that right. way. Right, because before then, this the federal government was limited or was required to offer just compensation uh, for the takings. And until that time, state governments had on occasion been – Taking and not compensating. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, thank goodness for that. So back in the olden days, a lot of times this was uh, public utilities and railroad companies and and bridge companies. Um, But nowadays, uh, I think governments have been more creative. And so we'll talk about some of the more recent cases that have uh, limiting the power of the the state, city, federal government in uh, just taking everything. Okay, so what's a famous case that we can introduce? Probably the most famous case, at least recently, and in, in recent memory, is going to be Kilo versus City of New London. Okay, and set the stage for us. Who wanted to take what? So the city of New London in – oh, New Jersey? I can't remember what state it was in. The city of New London wanted to take property in a blighted area. Connecticut. Connecticut, yeah. Connecticut wanted to take property in a blighted area. They wanted to declare it blighted and condemn the property, pay these people for the property, and give it to a private developer to develop an economic um, – zone uh, with like a like a strip mall or some kind of some kind of developments and so it was being given taken from one private person and given to this company and that's what they wanted to do 
And some people maybe think that's a good idea, and maybe some people think that's a bad idea. The de developers would make money on that, right? Yes, the developers definitely would make money. The government justification for it is that you have a supposedly blighted area um, that's not very productive, and if you give it to somebody to develop an economic zone, it's going to generate tax revenue, and that that is the justification of the public use element, that it's going to create those dollars, tax dollars, put it back into the community. For the greater good. For the greater good. Got to be a public use. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you've just tuned in, remember this is Todd Marquardt, your host of Talk Law Radio on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. And I'm discussing eminent domain with attorney Alex Vollmer. And we're going to be uh, talking more about the Kelo decision, uh, which is about eminent domain, not the thing that you're thinking of. So stay tuned. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Mark Court Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. They can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. It's Todd Marquardt, your host of Talk Law Radio, and we're talking about eminent domain with attorney Alex Vollmer. And before the break, we were talking about a court case called Kelo versus City of New London. It was uh, decided back in 2005. Alex, tell us some other th interesting things that happened as a result of the 2005 Kelo case. So essentially the court ruled that there's no requirement that the public use requirement of the takings clause of the Fifth Amendment required it be a literal public benefit uh, like a public park. Economic growth could be sufficient according to the Supreme Court. Um, so they ruled in favor of the city of New London. And nevertheless, the developer was unable to secure financing uh, for the project. So the site remained undeveloped until early 2019. Um, and remember, this is from 2005. And on top of that, the city tried to charge the owners of the property who had contested this taking with five years of back rent from the uh, commencement of no the proceedings. Yes. And I believe the developer in the city ended up apologizing. <laughs> there was a backlash, I guess. There was. And the backlash was that the public outrage was so prevalent that 45 states passed laws limiting um, the use of eminent domain for uh, economic development and tax generation. Oh, okay. Yeah, so tax generation and economic development were prohibited. Okay, and Texas was one of those states. Yes. And so there, there were some new statutes that I saw um, on the books 
that took effect in 2011 and 2018, I think. But one of the things that I ran across, if we just focus on Texas law for a minute, was uh, the Texas Constitution, in addition to the U- U.S. Constitution, has something that to say about eminent domain. In Article One, Section 17, it discusses taking, damaging, or destroying property for public use, uh, special privileges and immunities, and control of privileges and franchises. In the Government Code, in Chapter 2206, it discusses eminent domain limitations on purpose and use of property acquired and the procedures required to initiate eminent domain proceedings. Um, but the bulk of the procedure is in Texas Property Code Chapter 21, and that's where you see all the detail. Um, something interesting is what they call the Landowner's Bill of Rights. And so this is, some of this is incorporated in the statutes in Chapter 21, um, but there's, there's 10 things that landowners can uh, count on when dealing with eminent domain. Number one, you're entitled to receive adequate compensation if your property is taken for public use. So who gets to decide what's adequate? We'll get into that because there, there's specifics in uh, how that's determined. Number two, your property can only be taken for a public use. Again, how do you define public use? Uh, number three, your property can only be taken by a governmental entity or private entity authorized by law to do so. I don't think much has changed. <laughs> You know, that it sounds like to me that as long as there's a government entity involved, they could allow a private developer to um, do something. Yes. Uh, the general idea is that the federal – at the federal level, they really concentrate on whether or not – the law is whether or not the taking is constitutional, but it allows the states – to pass their own regulations about who can take authorized people to do so and what the procedures are going to be. So as long as the government's involved in Texas, we're supposed to assume that everything's going to be okay. (laughs) Go right ahead. (laughs) Number four, the entity that wants to take your property must notify you that it wants to take your property. Number five, the entity proposing to take your property must provide you with a written appraisal from a certified appraiser detailing the adequate compensation you are owed. Number six, the entity must make an offer to buy the property before it files a lawsuit to condemn the property. The condemning entity must make a good faith effort offer, and you may hire an appraiser, which... Uh, that's probably a good idea, or other professional to determine the value of your property or assist you in condemnation proceedings. You can hire an attorney, which is always recommended, to negotiate with the condemning entity. Uh, Before your property is condemned, you're entitled to a hearing before a court-appointed panel that includes special commissioners. Special commissioners must determine the amount of compensation 
the condemning entity owes for the taking of your property. The commissioners must also determine what compensation, if any, you are entitled to receive for any reduction in value of your remaining property. That's something that you want to talk about a little bit later. Mm-hmm. The Sort uh, of the unintended uh, takings, the, the uh, lateral. Right, lateral how, how it's going to affect other things. Um, that's, that's good that we have that protection in the Texas law. Number 10, if you are unsatisfied with compensation awarded by the special commissioners or if you question whether the taking of your property was proper, you have a right to a trial by judge or jury. You know what I learned is that there are a couple of states that don't allow a trial in this area. Yeah, I think New York's one of them. I've read a a speech by an attorney that uh, was talking to a concerned property owners group, and I think he was giving the speech in New York, and he said, I'm sorry to tell you, (laughs) but you don't have the right to a trial by jury. So it's judge or panel. Right, Mm. and then that's it. I wonder who's doing the appointing. Okay, so... Tell us about another interesting case. Well, another another interesting case it would be uh, the one from Hawaii. Yeah, it's the Hawaii Housing Authority versus Midkiff, and this is a case where, and this I think was in the late seventies that this happened, where seventy-two individual property owners owned forty-seven percent of Hawaiian land, like the whole state. 72 people owned half of it. And the state passed an act uh, to condemn the land and redistribute it from the lessors or the property owners um, to the lessees, the property renters. And the Supreme Court said, yes, you can do this. Uh, It established that transfer from one private party to another private party doesn't defeat the public use requirement because this process was about preventing a concentration of vast majority of privately held land in just a very few individuals. And so who were the – when they say one private prop, property owner can transfer to another, in this case, who was doing what? So this would have been a transfer taking the land from the original property owners and giving it to, for example, the people who leased the land or lived on it, or whoever the government had decided uh, had, had decided how to redistribute that land. It could have been other government agencies. It could have been anybody. Wow, that's really interesting. And so is, that case is more recent than the Kelo decision. No, no, that's an older case. It's from the late seventies. Um, that's the case. That's the case that established that you could transfer from private party to private party, which is what happened in Kelo. It was being the property was being transferred forcibly by the homeowner from the homeowner, forcibly transferred to the private party of the commercial developer. And so this um, the the Hawaii case said that the ruling in that case said that you can do that. You can. You don't have to have the land given to the government for public use. I was reading about something that happened in North Texas in Hearst. Do you remember that? 
There was, uh, in Hearst, Texas, there was a, a large shopping mall. Yes. That was going to be uh, developed. And there were 10 landowners. One, the, the famous name uh, that's associated with this case was Leonard Prose. And he didn't want to give up his house. And so there, there was some backlash from this case as well. Um, there, there were lots of allegations of targeting of these 10 landowners um, and, and designated their houses to, to be where the road would be. You remember this? Yeah, it's, I think it started in the late 90s and finished up in the early 2000s. And I think that there was essentially an effort to extend a private mall or a another real estate development that was going to take away some 127 people's homes. Yeah, and they were upset about it for, with, with good reason. Yeah. Okay, so now we know some background of where the eminent domain law came from. And we know uh, some examples of how it's been limited in scope so that people don't have to worry so much. Uh, We're going to take a break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about something that hits close to home here in Texas. Um, Mr. Vollmer is going to explain uh, something that's going on very recently and what you can do if you think your rights are affected. Again, this is Todd Marquardt, your host of Talk Law Radio. Stay tuned. And we're back. I'm Todd Marquardt, your host with Talk Law Radio, discussing eminent domain with attorney Alex Vollmer. Remember, we were talking about the Kelo opinion. We talked about some changes the state of Texas made in 2011 and 2018 to update the regulations on uh, eminent domain and reducing uh, the scope of what governments and uh, developers can do when they want to take property for the public good. So more specifically, something's coming up in South Texas, tell us about it. So there is a uh, a planned uh, extension of a large electrical power grid in South Texas. The specific one that I'm talking about is the the Brackettville to Escondido transmission line by uh, American Electric Power, and this is a this is a utility. It's a public utility um, that they are proposing to. The uh, Public Utility Commission of Texas, they've had to submit a certificate of convenience and necessity to the uh, Public Utility Commission. And there is a very, now because of the pandemic, much longer procedure to go through all the steps they need to do to notify everybody. And um, it's a very, very big uh, project. And it goes all the way from uh, up near Laredo all the way down 
to the bottom of Maverick County. Yeah, the information that they posted on their website says in Kenny and Maverick counties, but are those counties that big? Those count. I mean, they're big. I mean, they're not in too much bigger than any other county, but I don't think you If realize. I look at the map, it looks like it takes up a, a huge part of Texas. It does. It does. Um, but those are proposed lines. It's They're not saying that every single one of those lines is going to be built. Those are different proposed routes. Oh, I see. Right. But the thing is, everybody that has land in that area is – if they decide to go through your route, they're doing it. And that mm-hmm. is some of the most pristine, beautiful, untouched, undeveloped land, especially for South Texas, that, that there is. And – you're talking about having giant transmission lines, 600-foot spans, 105-plus-foot towers, uh, just just gouged straight through the middle of the countryside with easements and yeah, now right of I, entry. I know you're not an electrician, <laughs> but um, you have seen these things just traveling through Texas – um, why do you think that they um, take up so much space to build one of those things? Why do they need so much land? Well, you have to, first of all, create enough of an area to work in. So not only do they have to build it, not only do they have to get there to build it, they have to maintain it. And they have to create, like I said, kind of a safe zone around it so that it's not going to uh, spark wildfires. Well, you know, I wondered about that, and so I looked it up. And I'm not exactly sure, but remember all those fires in California last year? They Mm -hmm. blamed it on the electric company? Pretty hard to forget. Yeah, it was all over the news. I, I was actually out there one time. And I could see the flames on on the hillside. I wasn't anywhere near them, but I could see the smoke and I could smell the smoke. And so we certainly don't want anything like that happening in Texas. I remember in 2011 when we had the drought that was like something like 90 days over 100 degrees. I would be in the office at the district attorney's office uh, and you could see smoke plumes out on the horizon from the, the wildfires that were going on every day. And you know what else is I was reading about these huge electrical towers and, and the amount of electricity that flows through them. Uh, I don't really know what 138 kilovolt is, but the way they described it is that there's like a, an electric field Mm-hmm. that extends beyond the power line. The electromagnetic field. Yeah. And so if you're just in your car nearby, bad stuff can happen. You know, it can. I worry more about the effect it has on the wildlife that's maybe a little more in tune to those fields than people are. I mean, we mm-hmm. surround ourselves with at least some small level of that every day. But, um, you know, an electromagnetic field is what protects Earth from solar radiation 
you know, uh, solar particles bouncing off the uh, magnetosphere of the Earth is what gives us the aurora borealis. So those magnetic fields are extremely powerful. And we really don't understand how much they affect people so, and, and, the wildlife. and the wildlife. Yeah. And, I, and that's beside just the straight disruptive activity of people coming in, building. You're messing with, um, you know, watersheds. You're destroying habitat. You are scaring the wildlife away. And it makes a big impact. And one thing you showed me, uh, a photo of a sunset, you know, with uh, the pristine Texas landscape, and then another photo of of a landscape with these uh, 100-foot towers in the way. Yeah, and that's kind of what people don't think about a lot is the, the, un, the unknown cost of, you know, you're supposed to get just compensation. But there are some things that they're taking that don't have a monetary value. Uh, you know, what if this land has sentimental value or it's got family uh, history? Um, and, you know, you spoke earlier about, I think, diminution of value of, of right. land that wasn't taken. So that's a partial taking. Let's say they just take a strip uh-huh. of your land. Well, maybe the strip of land is worth a thousand dollars and the rest of your land is still worth nine thousand dollars but it's worth nine thousand dollars if you don't have to look at power lines what's it worth if your review is ruined or if the wildlife moves away or now the rest of your property floods so those are all considerations you have to take take into account yeah and you're you're gonna have to bring that to the commissioners that was number nine on the texas bill of rights for property owners is the commissioners must also determine what compensation if any you are entitled to receive for any reduction in value of remaining property Mm -hmm. so they're going to pay you for the property that they take hopefully Mm -hmm. and then you're going to complain that um the rest of my property has been reduced in value. An extreme example would be, let's say you have a 10-acre lot and a slaughterhouse, for some reason, condemns – you get your pro- – 10% of your property, one acre, gets condemned by a slaughterhouse. Do you think that the nine acres next door to the slaughterhouse are going to be worth as much as they were? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a good example of how it – that – uh, the untaken property can still be diminished in value. Right, but also if let, let's say that it's it's a ranch mm-hmm. and you have these power lines going down the middle of the ranch, well who who's going to buy that part if you ever want to sell it? Right. I mean, you almost kind of need to now make it two different uh parcels of land or uh, a lot of the value look, the value out there is the wildlife and the land, the untouched nature of it. The, I mean, Texas is one of the last states with significant amounts of privately owned land. Mm-hmm. Because you have these significant pieces of privately owned land, 
you don't see everything getting developed up every three seconds. And you have families and business partners and organizations that care about this land. And it's allowed for these sort of un unforced preserves because a lot of the heritage in Texas is hunting and the wildlife and fishing. And we want to preserve that for future generations. There's so many people growing up in cities and, and on the internet that I've never even held a fishing pole and never even walked down a dirt road and seen a horny toad. Mm -hmm. That's part of our, heritage in texas and i'm actually from new mexico where there's lots of uh, barren land and so i can appreciate what you're talking about also um something that we want to protect is uh, i don't want to have to go to the zoo to see a white tail <laughs> yeah um there's nothing like seeing something in the wild right it's different a wild animal Mm -hmm. um, and plus you don't want to have to, you know, you don't want to have to have zoos to see them. You don't want to do that to the animals if you don't have to, but there's nothing like seeing an animal in the wild. It doesn't compare seeing it behind a fence. So there's going to be lots of landowners in, in the area receiving notice that this project is, uh, being considered and, uh, they're going to have to decide, do they want to fight this battle on their own, or do they want to hire an attorney? Uh, what do you think they should expect? Well, in this particular case, they're, they're, they're essentially doing a fact-finding scenario first, which is with what the Public Utilities Commission of Texas requires. Then they're going to select a route, and then those people's land is going to be condemned, and those people are going to have to think about what to do. And yeah. uh, that's something we can definitely talk about. Right. That's what they're going to need, attorneys to and appraisers. And, I'm, I mean, I would want as much help as I could get because uh, the, the nice man that just delivers the notice may not have your best interest in mind. And if you get active early, they may think twice about what route they decide Going that on. route. Yeah. Okay, so you've been listening to attorney Alex Vollmer and me, Todd Marquardt, your host, talking about eminent domain on Talk Law Radio on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. We have one more segment, so stay with us. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. They can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com.
Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Morcourt. We're discussing eminent domain with attorney Alex Vollmer. Alex, I know we've already been talking about this for uh, the last 45 minutes, but I just wanted to ask you one more time, what is eminent domain? Before you answer, I'm going to tell you, it's when the government makes you an offer you can't refuse. <laughs> oh, my. yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> okay, seriously, what are some things that that people in this area, in uh, the, the Brackettville, Escondido area, can expect to see or do or um, what they might do? Well, as part of the process with the Public Utilities Commission of Texas, before a route or something like that is even chosen, they have to go through this this process of uh, showing the proposed routes to all of the people potentially affected. Those people have rights within that process to offer evidence, to offer statements, to become interveners uh, in that process and eventually uh, an administrative law judge will come to a decision about uh, what routes uh, are going to be allowed. Uh, There may be certain routes that uh, particular evidence or witnesses have come up and said, you know, this is going to impact us horrifically and the need to come through here is not high enough. Um, But if you If your land is in the area that they have decided to condemn for this eminent domain, uh, they have to make an offer, right? They have to offer you just compensation. Right. And they may do something like say, we're going to – we need to do a survey. We need to come in and appraise it. Well, that's where you might want an attorney for something like coming up with a right of entry permit that you can force – the condemnor, the person condemning the property, to abide by. Uh, if they just feel like they can come on and do the surveys anytime they want because they're condemning the land, no, you got to get a permit and come on. You have to respect the land. You have to clean up after yourself. There's only certain times you can come in, certain entrances, the right to have notice that you're going to come in and do a survey. And then, because that's right. That's even before it's been decided. They're just investigating, and so you have more leverage at that part at that point. Right. Well, and at that point, they do not have any property right in it. They haven't condemned it. But if they have made you an offer and they're at the point they've decided that's the property they're going to file the condemnation action on. You have to, you know, someone might look at what's the offer and what could the potential outcome be if I don't take it. And before the condemnation is actually done, you have a negotiating position. Uh, You can, you know, after the condemnation is done, it's going to go to a a, a trial and somebody else is going to decide what your land is worth. Mm -hmm. And I'm not advocating that you, you know, fold and – take the deal but it might be right for you mm-hmm. so it's kind of like a kind of like a plea bargain in criminal court it's guaranteed results now 
hedged against the possibility of really bad results in the future. But everybody's situation is different. Mm-hmm. And you can do things if you come to an agreement beforehand such as limiting the number of utility lines or the type of gas line because that's a big, big function of uh, eminent domain in Texas is gas lines, uh, transporting natural gas and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But you can – Determine the width of the easement, when they can come in to access it or repair it and specify what surface facilities, if any, are they allowed to build. Uh, Prohibit undesirable activities such as hunting, fishing or smoking, uh, especially out in that dry brush country. And you can have pre-agreed upon remedies for violations. Okay. So, I mean, and, and it's endless. Anything you can contract for, anything that's not an illegal contract provision, mm-hmm. you can negotiate for. And if it's your land, you just have to ask for it. Yeah, you just have to ask for it. And like I said, that might not be right for everybody, but for some people, it's the best route. Okay. And so since more court law firm sponsors this show and we focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance planning. I like to talk about legacy. And so we already talked about your legacy uh, last time, so I just want to talk about legacy more generally with uh, some people in Texas, how they feel about the land and the the heritage that they feel. Um, Some people in Texas... Uh, their families have been here for generations, right? That they may have uh, been from Mexico, you know, when Texas was part of Mexico, or they may have uh, come through uh, Louisiana, or they may have come some other way, but they had to fight tooth and nail to set up their fences here. And, you know, the, there has to be some value in that. No, absolutely. Um one of the best books I ever read was Empire of the Summer Moon about the clash of the the settler versus the Cherokee and Comanche nations or the Apache and Comanche nations. And if you want to talk about heritage and you want to know what people, especially in this area, went through, it is an amazing read. Say, say the name again. Empire of the Summer Moon. Okay. Yeah. It, it's a uh... – True story or – It's true. It's all true about the aggressive push westward and the background of the – you had the Apache and Comanche nations that had basically spent decades or hundreds of years in a state of war against each other. They were militaristic Spartan cultures defined by being in a constant state of war with each Mm -hmm. other and the american settlers ran straight into it and uh it was a lot i mean and and that's in addition to just trying to survive the environment no kidding yeah just trying to just trying to keep your cows alive and trying to grow crops Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's tough a lot of work and there are people that have used that to establish legacies that have lasted hundreds of years. 
Yeah, so for those people who are going to have their part of their legacy taken away and for the public good, hopefully they receive just compensation because uh, this isn't something where you can just say, no, you're not going to come. If, if the government decides that that's the spot, um, you, you just have to keep fighting so that you can get the best outcome and not lose everything. Yeah, I would say the best defense in something like that is just not making your making yourself not an easy target. Um, you just don't want to be an easy lunch, you know, for the people that are trying to condemn property. Well, what if they uh, found an endangered spider out there? Well, do you think the EPA would help them out on this one? Yes, possibly, but be careful because then you won't be able to walk across your own property. <laughs> um, that's definitely a consideration. I, I would – if anybody wants to get a really good resource and they don't know about it, about just with the wildlife in Texas and landowner rights, the Texas Wildlife Association is one of the best, if not the best, um, landowner rights group and wildlife rights group in Texas their magazine is amazing, and they have an incredible membership with a lot of resources and knowledge. Okay, that's a great recommendation. So check out the Texas Wildlife Association. One of the interesting things is talking about how, again, how is that property valued? And the accepted definition of just compensation is – its highest and best use valuation. And so you have to, or whoever the condemner is, has to pay uh, for that highest and best use price, and it can be determined by different factors such as, you know, what's the legality of that, high, that best use? You know, uh, if the best use is, you know, uh, having a secret drug manufacturing laboratory, that's probably not going to be allowed. Uh, that highest and best use has to be – it doesn't even have to be the actual use. As long as it is, as it is a potential use that it could be used for, um, you can apply that factor into the valuation of the property. So that's why it's so important to, one, have somebody that can tell you these things and to you know, have your own independent appraiser. Uh, educate yourself on it. I think that's the key, uh, informing and, and educating yourself about what you might be able to do. And also uh, marshalling your resources so that you can um, hire these professionals to battle for you. Well, this is definitely not a DIY project. Um, you know, anybody that's tried to uh, redo their own bathroom knows... It really would have been cheaper and faster, and you'd have gotten a better result if you paid somebody to do it the first time, unless you know what you're doing. Right. And you never know what you don't know. That's true. Thank you for those wise words of wisdom, <laughs> uh, Attorney Alex Vollmer. You've been listening to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt, on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Uh, you can find us here on uh, the radio or you can find us online on 930amtheanswer.com streaming. Or you can find us on iTunes as a podcast. 
So check us out, or you could visit also uh, TalkLawRadio.com. Thanks for listening.